Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. There once was a rather rough, uncultured gentleman whom for some reason had gone into a shop of knickknacks. You know, those stores, gentlemen, that we don't know what to do with ourselves when we get in. We want to back up in the corner and get out of the way, but we're like a bull and we back right up into somebody's whole shelf full of $500 knickknacks and we just don't know what to do. But this, this rough, this unpolished, this uncultured man, for some reason in that store, fell in love. He fell in love with a beautiful vase. And it wasn't long before uh, he came back to the store and he bought the vase. He didn't have a family. He lived alone. So he, he took it. He took this vase to his rather modest place he lived. It was um, probably... To say bachelor pad would probably be a kind term. It was pretty rough. He took that vase in and put it on the mantle there in his living room. And then as time would go on, uh, this vase became kind of the, uh, the, the item that would judge and gauge and control everything else in the room and that happened in the room because the vase was so nice he decided that there's no way that a vase that nice is a vase or vase okay is there anybody here today I don't want to embarrass you if I'm just calling it a vase I might I might just forget from where I'm from we'd call it a jug you know but uh, but uh, this vase was just too nice to be sitting there and the room in the shape that it was in. So he began to scrub and clean and get all of the, the junk out of the room. He wanted the room to be worthy of the vase. So it wasn't long until he looked over at the tattered curtains and he found himself down at Walmart buying him some new curtains for that room to make it better. He... He looked around the old chair that he loved so much that was taped together with duct tape. It wasn't nice enough now for that room because that vase had set a new standard in his room. So it wasn't long before the old chair was replaced with a new chair and the wallpaper that was peeling was was pulled off and the room was repainted. Gradually, the entire room was transformed. And what was once a, a raggedy old bachelor living room it became something very different because it was, it was transformed. This vase, just being brought into the room and placed there on that mantle, had power within itself to literally make this man start changing the environment. And that's what happens when Jesus Christ comes into your life. When he is brought into your life and he's set on the mantle, All of a sudden, the old tattered things of life don't quite measure up to the light that he's shining. And you want to start making changes, and you want this to be a life or a house or a room that's worthy of of him. So it's a transformation like this uh, 
that we begin witnessing in the book of Joshua, the second chapter. It's, um, it's a point in time when the Israelites have planned. They have planned now to enter into Canaan. This is the second approach to Canaan. Now they approach it having wandered for 40 years, having, having, having dealt with their own issues for a long time, and they, they approach the promised land when that, that two spies are, are sent in. Two spies are sent into the city to spy out and, and to, to check on a few things. And they're given some instructions. And they're, they're given some instructions that, um, that there's, there's a lady that helped us many, many years ago. She helped us years ago. And, uh, and what we, we want you to do is, is we, want you to, we want you to go and find her. And uh, when, when you get there, she will help you again. So these spies, these two men... They went into the city, they, they, they snuck, they, they crept into that massive city. And when, when they arrived, they were going to arrive at a lady's house by the name of Rahab. The children of Israel knew that if they could take this city, they would split the country of Jericho in half, and it would be very easy for them to conquer the rest of the promised land when they actually seized the heart of the promised land. And they employed the old divide and conquer technique. We can, we can take Jericho and then the rest of this country, the rest of their kingdom would be ours. So before they went about their business of defeating Jericho, spies were sent in to gauge the mood of the people, to evaluate how strong that they were. And when these, when these spies entered into Jericho, they they went to the house of a lady named Rahab. And it just so happened that Rahab was a harlot. In Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1, I want to preface my thoughts to you today from this. That Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shidem two men to spy secretly saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and And they came to the harlot's house. They came to the harlot's house. Her name was Rahab. And they lodged there. Why? Why would these men go to the harlot's house? Well, if you're carnally minded, it would be very obvious in one sense why they would go there. But it it was a bigger picture than maybe the gratification of their own flesh. It, it probably would be more along the lines of strange men entering into that house uh, would not be looked at so directly or worried about so much uh, as maybe another place where they would seek to hide that men didn't come and go often. Why and what they would found, what they found when they entered into Rahab's house uh, must though have come to a shock to these two men because uh, they really, they probably really expected uh, the accoutrements of a house of ill repute. But what they found was a lady that had a hungry heart and a lady who was determined in her life and spirit that she wasn't going to go the rest of the way with the rest of her people. And they, they, would, they would find that the uh, that here was a woman who already understood that she could be changed by the power of God. 
she understood this. And if you read Joshua, the entire second chapter, you find where she begins talking about, we know what happened many years ago. And and, and we, we understand the power of the Lord. And she's not talking about their God saying, you're God. But she's making references like this, the Lord and Jehovah. As if she's already cognized in her own spirit that, that the God of the Israelites was going to be her God too. And though she may not quite understand him all, she'd already come to the place that that's a mighty people and they've got a mighty God. Nothing could stand in front of them and... That's got to be what my life is involved with. They find a woman there that had already been influenced and changed by the power of God. And they, they, they met Rahab. And when, the, when, they, when they found this lady, they found that this woman was not the girl that she had used to be. This woman was not the girl that she had used to be. And this second, this second lessons in this summer series... I, I want to just build it all around that thought. She's not the girl she used to be. Now, I know, sir, you might have married that sweet thing 40 years ago, and, and your investment might have grown substantially. Or, or there might have been some changes, and you look and say, she's better than she was, or she's maybe not. Understand what I'm saying? She's not what she used to be. And you may, you may walk around your house singing the old gray mare. She ain't what she used to be. You sing that long, you're not going to be there because you're not going to be what you used to be either, sir. But Rahab is a picture of what happens when the power of God steps into a life and brings transformation. Rahab is what we see today. She's an example of what we see when the Lord takes a, somebody's life and it's filled with sin. And, and, but they, they find a way somehow to put their faith and their trust in him. And there's a transformation that takes place uh, with inside of them. And even this morning, even this morning, I have every confidence that there's people here who knew what it was to live a life that wasn't so great. But you've come to the realization of the wonder and the witness and the power of the Holy Ghost. And you've come to know that in Jesus Great change can take place. As a matter of fact, you look back uh, over your past, uh, and you may have reason for shame, but when Jesus stepped into your life, and when, you, when, he, he, when he was given dominion in your life, uh, you understand that old things passed away and all things became new. You understood that there was a work uh, of the Holy Ghost uh, that took place. If you're here today, you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, please understand this morning that the witness of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God can move in your life and, and he will transform you and he will, he is able to fill you with his spirit. And, and when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, what happens is the more of the spirit that, feel, that, that goes into you, you have to be Filled with the Holy Ghost, not touched by the Holy Ghost, uh, not introduced to the Holy Ghost, but filled with the Holy Ghost. Because when that Spirit of God flows into your life, it starts pouring in. And the more that Spirit pours in and the higher the levels go in your life, uh, the old life is displaced. The old past is displaced. The old pains are displaced. And it's just like a washing and a cleansing because the Spirit keeps pouring in and the garbage keeps flushing out. Uh, the spirit keeps coming in and yesterday uh, keeps going out. Uh, and so you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, 
I want to take just a few moments this morning, and I promise that we'll not be here real long. But I want to look at this lady named Rahab. She had a condition spiritually that was not good. She was a harlot. This was a woman of ill repute. She had somehow, by choice or by trap, had found herself engaged in a wicked lifestyle where she sold herself, she sold her body to men for money. Hers was a depraved and a wicked life. Hers was a life that no doubt was filled with condemnation. No doubt had shame. There was embarrassment. There, there were, she knew what it was to walk through the city and, and, and to watch the people begin to nudge each other and whisper to each other, that is Rahab. And they would say who and, and what she was. Her life was not pretty. Her life was depraved. Her life was wicked. Her life was her life was filled with shame and humiliation. Uh, she she's just a picture though of of most people before they come to God. And the day we live in and the the society we live in used to be there was such a such a influence of Judeo Christian values in our country that even people who who weren't filled with the Holy Ghost and didn't necessarily live for God they were so influenced by the Bible and the Ten Commandments and another Judeo Christian principle that 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 they they you know they were they understood how to be normal and they understood that some things were not acceptable but but nowadays nowadays it's seems like all old social norms and all expectations maybe from the scripture have been totally removed from from people's lives and and people grow up we've got kids uh, that are being raised uh, by parents uh, that were raised by single parents uh, and we've now into the third generation of of the latchkey situation from years ago and and, and we we were we we're, we're seeing people grow up uh, and they, they have no idea used to everybody was taught manners and nowadays very few people are, are really taught uh, manners and etiquette and and integrity and and they're used to be some things that that were understood but but now nowadays it's so it's so very different and and Rahab came up in a day when when there was an accepted social norm but her her life and the path that she walked was way outside the lines of what was even accepted in her day and she was a picture she lived in a place in the condition of where every person who was in her world probably had reason to scorn her and not not respect her there was condemnation in her life a spiritual condemnation rested upon her she lived in a city that was slated for destruction she lived in a time when her city and her background was going to be taken away from her and she lived in she lived in an environment that the walls of the city were about to come down. And, and I'm, I'm certain that there were people there who felt reasonably confident and, and safe behind the walls of their city. But God had already passed judgment upon that city and upon those people. And Rahab understood the children of Israel were coming. That mighty army was coming. And there was destruction on the way. and There was condemnation. There was condemnation that was, that was about to come down on the entire, the entire city. 
The, the, the people of the city may have felt confident that, that they were safe, but she understood that they were doomed. And so she understood knowing that there was this moment that this city was going to be, was going to be destroyed. But not only did she live in a city with a, a terminal condition, and did she live under the condemnation of her own life and impending judgment of her city, but also there was something that was beginning to emerge inside of her because she was about to become a converted girl. She might have been living in, in bad condition. And she might have been living under condemnation. But there was about to be a conversion that would take place in her life and her spirit. And she understood. She realized that the, that the children of Israel were being led by the hand of the God of Israel. And to her, this inhabited city that she lived in was filled with judgment and gloom. But she decided. I will acknowledge who Jehovah God is and I will refer to him as the Lord and I will use him and I will call him by his name. The message that came in this moment to her life was there was life. Let me just put it this way. You understand she would hang a cord out of her window and that would be a sign to the armies. You don't destroy that house. But on this Pentecostal Sunday, this on this Pentecost Sunday, let me simply say this. Let me remind you that 50 days after the ascension of Jesus Christ, the disciples had gathered again there into the upper room. There they begin to pray and they, they begin to seek the Lord. They begin to be obedient to God. When suddenly Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 is, is laid out for you and I to be able to see and understand what had happened. Because when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Uh, uh, and suddenly there would come a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It would fill all, all the house where they were setting. And there would appear unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And everyone in the room was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with their tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. In that room that day, they yielded themselves up to the Spirit. They yielded themselves up. To, to the influence of the Holy Ghost. And much in the same way that Rahab did that day when the spies came. She didn't receive the Holy Ghost as we know it. It was not yet time for that spiritual gift to be imparted. But Rahab would hear a message and she would understand well that there's judgment coming to my town. The walls of my city are coming down. And she began to respond and she heeded the word of faith. And if you read Hebrews chapter 11, you will find that she's listed in the hall of faith. When Paul listed the heroes of faith, you got Abraham, you got Isaac, you got Moses, you've got the prophets, you've got all of these mighty and wonderful and good people who were faithful to God. But right in the hall of fame, in the hall of faith that Paul listed there in the book of Hebrews, you find that name Rahab listed there. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter where you were raised what you did, what you went through, and the path you chose. When you become in relationship with Jesus Christ, the old situations, the old conditions are going to leave. The old condemnations are going to be dealt with. And there's going to be a conversion, a transformation, a change that will take place and can take place with the hand of God in your life. And when you had an old condition that has been taken care of, and when the old condemnation 
Christians are gone. And when you find that conversion and transformation can take place, there you understand, you realize, you come to know that you have come to a place where you are a completed person. So look, just let me, let me link these, this series of C's today together. She, was, she, was, uh, she had a bad condition. She was condemned. She was converted. And then she was completed. Because suddenly she realized that these men are coming. This army's coming. But they've given me a word that they will take care of me. And they will take care of my family. Understand that this God of ours, he will take care of you. And he will take care of your family. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's always there. It doesn't matter what the condition started. It doesn't matter what condemnation hang over your life. Let a conversion, let a transformation take place. Let completion, let completion come into your world. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 11, I find a verse that just emerges out at my mind today. Because let me just read it to you. And as soon as... um, as soon as we have heard these things. Uh, now, let me just a little preface. Uh, Rahab is talking to the spies. And she's making reference to they've heard what happened 40 years ago when they left Egypt. We heard how the Red Sea parted. We heard how manna came. We heard how a rock followed you. And she said, we heard how these armies have fallen. And, we, and then she just takes up, we take up reading right in the middle of these things as she talks about the things that they've heard. And as soon as we heard these things, uh, our hearts didn't melt uh, and neither did they there remain any more courage in any man because of you, the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. She said, as soon as we begin to hear this stuff, something began to happen inside of us and our hearts began to melt. You cannot come in contact with the presence of God that your heart doesn't begin to melt. A hard heart begins to soften. A mean heart begins to melt. When you understand that hardness leaves and coldness leaves, and when your heart begins to melt, you become tender towards some things. You become receptive towards some things. You, you've been around somebody before. You'd call them hard-hearted. You'd call them mean. You'd call them cold-hearted. Some of you have used those terms before with people. You're so cold. You're so mean. You're so hard. But when you see somebody that you have viewed as cold, Old, mean, and hard. When they stand in the presence of God and you see that old hard heart, it begins to melt and you understand, you see the transformation that's taking place and the hearts begin to melt. When hearts begin to melt, when warmth enters. Hearts begin to melt when people are touched by love. Hearts begin to melt when people can feel compassion. Hearts begin to melt when they feel the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. When love enters, heart melts. When kindness enters, heart melts. When mercies enter, hearts melt. When grace comes your way, hearts melt. And I've just got this feeling. Somebody here understands what it is to have have a hard heart. And there came a moment that your heart started to melt. There came a moment you got all mushy on the inside. You felt the presence of God. You were mad when you got to church that night. But you felt the Holy Ghost. And you felt Something on the inside starts softening and melting that heart, that, that old heart of yours. Somebody ought to just let your heart melt. Somebody ought to say, okay, God, I'll open up my arms and my heart. I'll open up my spirit. Let your presence melt my heart. Let your presence melt my 
hardness. Rahab was completed that day when she understood that our hearts began to melt. Some of you have got people in your life that are hard. I want you to, I want you to lift up your eyes. I want you to love them like you've never loved them. I want you to pray for them like you've never prayed for them. I want you to share with them like you've never shared with them because that hardness is going to melt when they feel the presence of God and they feel the love of God coming from you and from your spirit. They will find something different in their world when they feel that gentleness and that love and that wonder come through your spirit to theirs. You see, this this woman, she was completed when her her reputation was was restored. Rahab, uh, this young woman with a bad reputation, living in a doomed city, uh, taking money from God-forsaken men for God-forsaken purposes. Outwardly, no doubt, this woman was attractive. She was beautiful and desirable. She was appealing to the flesh. But inside, Rahab was empty. Inside, Rahab was lonely. Inside, Rahab was lost. She lived behind walls of a city that were about to fall. She hid behind walls of a house that didn't keep strangers out. She lived behind a party. She lived behind a facade of happiness. But Rahab was not happy. But when those spies came in and they gave her the word, if you'll hang that cord out your window, when we come, there's going to be a protection and we'll take care of your family and we'll protect you and everything is going to be all right. You may ask why hang out that scarlet cord. Let me just talk about that for a moment because you see we have this term that we've used in our society in generations past. It's made it's made it's made I wish Sister Patrick was here because we referred to this in the past as the red light district. Last Christmas or here a while back Sister Patrick asked me to put some colored light bulbs out in front of her house for Christmas and a demon and God and her son-in-law. And I went down to the store and I bought red light bulbs. I brought red light bulbs to Sister Patrick's house. I put them on the outside. I had myself the biggest old laugh until the red light bulbs got spotted. The red light bulbs have been done away with, I promise. Because Just because we understand, we understand what that means. But outside her house would hang that scarlet cord in normal times. That was the signal that was that was the, that was the barber's pole at the, to the barber shop uh, to the barber's career. That scarlet cord uh, was indicative of what goes on inside of that place. It was indicative of her past. It was indicative of her profession. It reminded others of who she was. It told others what goes on here. It told others of what she was, what she was not. It told of her failures and of her past. But there were spies that said, "When we come back, uh, let." that cord uh, hang out of this window and that sign that has brought condemnation in your life in the past uh, that thing that's indicated shame in your yesterday that thing that is marked this is a place of ill repute uh, when we come uh, when the children of Israel come just leave it hanging we're going to know what to look for and there'll be no condemnation there'll be no destruction there'll be no devastation but you'll be you'll be saved and you'll be redeemed I am here today to say yesterday's condemnations do not matter. Yesterday's failures do not matter. But let the scarlet, crimson blood of Jesus find its way into your life and into your spirit. 
You find the scarlet thread as it extended all the way through the scripture. You find how it went all the way from Cain and Abel, made it all the way to Calvary. You understand it made it to Calvary all the way to Conroe. And it made it all the way from the church in Conroe all the way across your old carnal heart. You've got a lot to be thankful for. Rahab, just let that thing hang out. It don't matter. It don't matter what people say. It don't matter what they think. What matters is the scarlet on your life. The scarlet on your life is transformational. The scarlet on your life is going to be what brings a testimony into your life. That cord is no longer going to represent your failures. That's going to no longer represent your past. Listen here, Rahab. You are not who you used to be. You are not what you used to be. I want you to, I want you to look around at somebody and say, hey, I'm not what I used to be. Just, just be honest. Hey, I've got some stuff back there, but I'm not what I, I'm not the girl I used to be. I'm not the man I used to be, but I've been covered with the blood. Scarlet has been placed on my life. The red blood of Jesus Christ has touched the blackness of my soul, the darkness of my spirit. It's washed me. It's cleansed me. It's purged me. It's set me free. And when you understand that, you've got something to rejoice about. Amen. This God of ours is good. And so you find that, of course, Jericho's walls fall. And you find, you understand that Rahab's life was saved. But Rahab's life was not only saved, but it was not but a few days since we learn after this that, that Rahab became married to one, what would be known as one of the elders of Israel. And um, generations would go by, several generations go by. And one day in the living room down in Bethlehem, a little guy by the name of of David, he got out the the family albums, started turning the old pages, the old crackly pages of family pictures. I wonder what's going to happen five or six generations from now when there's no family albums with dried pictures to flip back through. What would you say? Oh, yeah, your great-granddaddy's been dead 27 years, but go to his Facebook page. There's pictures. It's going to be something like that. You face it. Pull out the old computer, you know, the one that is, you know, the one that's, that's this big. That's a big computer. Go get that big computer. I mean, his old watches, his old eye watches, some of you wear those kind of, all those pictures of your old granddaddy's on his eye watch. Go dig that old watch out. See if you can find a battery that still works in it. There's going to be something. But in David's house, he started flipping through pictures. He asked, I just, this is the way I see these things happening. He asked his daddy one day, he said, Daddy, Daddy, wasn't my pawpaw's name Obed? Yeah. Yes, son. So, Daddy, your name is Jesse. And um, your daddy's name was Obed. My pawpaw's name was Obed. And then my great Papa's name was Boaz. Yes. That means my my great Lolly's name was Ruth. 
Because Boaz married Ruth, and they begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. So I can see David flipping through that book a page or two, and there's some old black and white, digital, digitally enhanced, saved pictures saved from an archaic, an archaic phone that only has 20 tetrabytes of memory. She says, but who, what was my great, great papa's name? Oh, that would be great, great papa Salmon. So great, great papa Salmon. So then what was my great, great Lolly's name? Oh, that's interesting. Because Salmon married a girl from Jericho who was raised up poorly. She made a living in prostitution. Your great-great-grandmother's name is Rahab. So Salmon married Rahab, and they beget what was the other guy's name? They beget Boaz. Boaz married a little girl who was raised up in the land of Moab. Came back, and Boaz and Ruth, they, they had. A little guy by the name of Obed. Obed was my daddy, son. And Obed beget Jesse. And Jesse beget David. Hang on, daddy. You mean this Rahab we're talking about, that's the Rahab? It's that Rahab? This is red light district Rahab? My great-great-grandma was red light Rahab. That's the way you respond. Yeah, but you think that's neat. You can't see this yet, but I want you to sit right here, David. And I want you to explain something that's going to happen. Because 40 generations from now, Forty generations from now, there's going to be a boy that's going to be born by the name of Mathat, M-A-T-H-A-T. Mathat's going to have a son by the name of Heli, H-E-L-I. And Heli is going to have a boy by the name of Joseph. And Joseph's going to fall in love with a girl named Mary. And Joseph and Mary are going to raise a boy named Jesus. So just put this picture in perspective, son. You're the king. You've got all this stuff that's going to happen down your road in your life. But your great-great-grandma was a red light Rehab. But 
Five generations ago that happened, but 40 generations from now, this is what's going to happen. And that woman that might have had a bad reputation, lived in a bad place, who's living under condemnation and guilt, her children are going to raise up, and the next generation is going to come up, and she's going to be the great-grandma times 48 of a man named Jesus. And when you think that the blood of Jesus Christ can cover the mess in your life, and you don't have to wait 40 generations because you can be red like Rahab and the blood cover your life and God put a salmon in your life and the next generation comes on and suddenly the past, old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about claiming Canaan. And we're talking about, you know, we're not going to stay in the place we're at. We're moving forward. And we're going to see walls come down. And we're not going to let condemnations and guilts and reputations and red lights and red cords and all that stuff. is not going to keep us from becoming who we are. And some of us have got some mistakes in the past. But that doesn't matter because God's going to use us again. And some of us can't hardly hold our head up in public. But that doesn't matter because God's got a plan for your life. And some of us look back and say, oh, no. And God's saying, oh, yes. Would you stand with me this morning?